Sprinkles. Sprinkles, also known as Jimmy's. I I refuse to call them Jimmy's. It. Well, uh, why is I'll, that I'll, Jimmy? I'll... <laughs> so, I I kind of view that as cannibalism. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not the Jeffrey Dahmer type. I'm not gonna like peel your face off, wear it as a mask. I'm I'm a little more subdued than that. You You're know, not gonna put the lotion in the basket. <sighs> you push the lotion in the basket. Hello, Claddies. <laughs> Dwight. We, we could literally... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could do an episode on The Office. We could do an entire episode on serial killers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we could do them both because of the the, the Scranton Strangler. We could do the Scranton so. Strangler. Uh, the, the murder on Bourbon Street. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's been a murder. <laughs> Actually, I was just watching the episode today where Michael drives his car into the lake and Dwight is like... No, he doesn't mean an actual right. There's a lake there. I'm, I'm trusting the computer. Uh, <laughs> I've trained for this, Michael. Don't panic. <laughs> I, I honestly feel like that's so many of our safe shows because, well, just the idea of like the safe show, we have no anxiety watching it. We know what's going to happen. We know it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's so never going to let you down. And now no, on Peacock, actually, there's there's bonus material, so... You could True, only you could only episodes. be oh you could only be more pleased with new content so, but yeah I I think that and Arrest Development are my two savior shows or safe shows or whatever you would call it. See, I've never it. watched Arrested Development. Oh my god, you would fly to be honest. It. There's one, only one three good shows. seasons, and you'll be you'll love okay. It. What one of my safe shows is Criminal Minds. Oh, that too, absolutely. I I love Criminal Minds. You just I, I you just always know they're gonna get killers. the guy, and uh, you well, know, you can. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes that that villain will come back in another episode, and mm-hmm. you know, terrorize everybody. But, but so. yeah, we, we should definitely do an episode on serial killers. That there were points during like my internship where if I ever got bored, I would just go on Wikipedia and look at the federal prisons. And just go through each one and look at the notable inmates. Wow. I, I was that bored, but that interested. It, it, it was a pretty interesting ride. Good times with internships. Good times. Really keeping Made you keeping you on board. Yeah. The old, uh, the old four, accounting degree in four years, right? See, what I want to make money on, though, is sports betting. Yes, and that's a like, good segue into our first topic today. We're talking about sports, specifically the never-ending entertainment coming from the UFC and Dana White over there in the MMA corner. Yeah, I, so this weekend was my first sports bet. Nice. And I, I really enjoyed the, the co-mains. I'm a big Thai Bam Bam Tuivasa fan. I was just hoping he was going to get that knockout because he was the underdog. Mm-hmm. He was like, we're going to swang and bang. That they did. <laughs> Knocked him out with that <clears throat> that elbow. Derek Lewis went down. Yes, he did. I, actually, I was when I was watching that, I was I wasn't thinking that he was hit that hard, but watching it back, yep. hit the back of his head hits like the rail, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that is the biggest. Maybe that is what he really felt, where it, you know his head went back, and then he just went forward like a limp, mm-hmm. like a limp. Well, uh, limp do you watch a lot of boxing? Not really. So, in boxing, I, I've seen people call them, like, phantom punches or ghost punches mm-hmm. that just barely skin you. But if it hits in the right spot, lights out. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And he, he could have a weak chin, too. Yeah, that's true. Because he kind of got it, like, right on that jawline. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe he could, you know, I was thinking maybe he could handle a little more, but, because he was just, he was just on Hot Ones and uh, taking all those wings to the face, but he couldn't take him punches to the face, so. I, I feel like he can't fight at home. Is he from Texas? I'm, yeah, he, he's from Houston. Yeah. Huh. I mean. A lot of pressure for home guys to be doing, you know, mm-hmm. doing their thing. I, I kind of thought, though, he would be a little bit better because I'm pretty sure his last fight in Houston was uh, the Cyril Gaon fight, mm-hmm. which he lost. It was touted as his big homecoming first fight in Houston or something like that, mm-hmm. and he lost. So mm-hmm. the lead-up to this fight, they were trying to say, oh, he got those first fight hometown jitters out. He's going. Mm-hmm. He's going to show why he's the number three. But then number 11, Bam Bam, just... Came Ow. through. I'd he like did. to see. Uh, I'd like to see Tuivasa in like a speedo because <coughs> I want to see if them tattoos connect because it kind of looks like he's wearing like a jump, like a jumpsuit. They definitely do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so fun fact: I actually have a. Uh, we have a close family friend who's from American Samoa, mm-hmm. and his dad was the chief of his tribe. Oh really? So when this guy was eighteen, he had the full waist to like kneecap tattoos and he was a weightlifter and my dad always went on the road with him and this other big hawaiian dude um he would ask him yo do all your tattoos connect and is everything tattooed he goes yes everything wow it's badass yeah i know like the i know like the rock has the kind of like the tribal ones on the yeah he's got the like little shoulder cap yeah but yeah these dudes were big have you seen The Rock's uh, stunt double? He's got the same tattoos, and he has the same diet and workout plan. <laughs> I mean, if you could just have the consistent job of being Dwayne The Rock Johnson's personal stunt double, mm-hmm. you got to be living. That's got to be a hell of a job. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Just, honestly, job security, just as long as he stays up to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon, unless the steroids go... Uh go dry and he starts to shrivel up like a like a beanbag chair <laughs> I mean I know the man's definitely not getting cancelled no it's not a problem it's not a problem I mean l- unless it comes out that he like awkwardly smiled at a woman in 1994 and yeah it's, it's that fragile these days um and then but that's besides the point the Adesanya fight was solid too kinda looked mm-hmm. like he uh he hurt his hand so he was pulling mm-hmm. back a little bit, obviously going more with the, yeah, holding with that right the leg hand. kicks, right? Because I know he, I think he got like thirty legs in. Um, but if sorry to cut you off, but if you watch the post fight presser, mm-hmm. um, Cormier asked about that, and he was saying, "Oh no, that's just to throw him off. I want him to think I was injured, just so he would think I would go easy up with my right hand." Oh shit! I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. The, the style bender, the mind bender. Yeah, he, he just he goes in. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's a, a hell of a too. fighter. Six yeah. four, massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I put some money on him to, to uh, for total knockout. Mm-hmm. I uh, well, I was I was happy to see him get the win, but I yeah, at least he won. Yeah, the bet that I did, I did a uh, three fight parlay. I did um, Cannoneer, Bam Bam, and then Adesanya. Luckily, 
uh, Bam Bam actually pulled for the undercard or the underdog. So yep. So you, uh, what was, was your nine dollars? I got like fifty nine back or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not too bad for my first sports bet. Solid, solid, solid. Yeah, Which man, brings man. me to the Super Bowl because I made a really great parlay. Oh, it was. Oh, it was so good that it didn't happen. <laughs> it, I love it was, this. It was Stafford to throw two ninety. Mm-hmm. Two touchdowns, an OBJ receiving touchdown, the oh. Rams money line, and two extra points from the Rams kicker. Poor OBJ. I had everything except for seven yards passing. Damn. I missed it. He had two eighty three. I needed two ninety. Damn. I would have made like a thousand dollars. How much did you place on it? Uh, like twenty five. So was, the bad. odds were not in my favor, but like, it wasn't you were that. Close. Yeah, it wasn't that impossible. So no, not at all. It was I guarantee you. I guarantee you, if OBJ didn't get hurt, you would have had the yards. Yeah, I think so too. Because I mean, once at the end, when when OBJ goes down, you got Cup. Obviously, he's a great route runner, but he's oh, like man. getting double teamed left and right. Mm-hmm. So because they they were trying to tr- throw to Skwanek or whatever his name was, and he was like dropping passes left and right. So, mm. yeah, I uh, I think it was a great game. I really did like it. I, I was honestly worried uh, Cooper Cup got uh, concussed. I thought one. he was. He he got up so slow. I was like, no. Yeah, they and, should have they should have given him the protocol. But I think they were on adrenaline after yeah. scoring that touchdown. He just wanted to be around. And honestly, I don't think he deserved. I mean, he he did for the two touchdowns. But I I would rather have Aaron Donald be the MVP. Yeah, I mean, he getting, made that getting final that play. crucial play, yeah. Because if he, if you, if you look at the replay for that that final play, he gets around Burrow, gets him to the ground. Burrow just kind of tosses it off, and you know maybe there's a possibility that somebody catches it and runs. Mm-hmm. But if you look downfield, Chase actually made Jalen Ramsey drop to the ground, like he faked him oh, out. Oh shit! So if he had just looked a little bit further down, and if he had mm-hmm. maybe maybe a split second more, he would have seen him and thrown that. So I think, I mean, if they really, you know, they don't like to give it to defensive guys, but, like, honestly, the fact that he was able to get him on the ground so quick in the yeah. final play, um, I think that deserves MVP, personally. I mean, if you want to get to that, then Super Bowl 52, when the greatest football team of all time, the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. kicked the shit out of Tom Brady. Uh, Brandon Graham, he had that end of the game sack. Mm-hmm. Or, or was it a fumble? I think it was a fumble, but whatever. He didn't get MVP. Big Dick Nick got MVP. Yeah, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How'd your Giants do? No, we got a five-year plan. (laughs) Five-year plan, five different head coaches. It'll work. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. I'm I'm a really devout Giants fan, but I'm on my last leg here. I mean, because you had the to be other team in New York is the Buffalo Bills. No True. one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Aren't you closer to Buffalo too? No, You're Buffalo. Not? Buffalo's like almost five hours. I know it's Canada. West. Yeah, um, East Rutherford is only about two forty-five or so for me. That's not bad. Yeah, I have not been right, to a before. game there yet, though, so I do need to see a game. But, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard when your team is just in the absolute toilet. So it's just it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I'd love to see them play, but I know I'm going to be disappointed. And 
like this year they were trying to on on the day that Strahan got his his jersey retired they were giving out like free Coca Colas like wow <laughs> we're already <laughs> six games below five hundred that's really gonna make a difference so who wants the free Coca Cola from Michael Strahan yeah 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 you can drink it through your front two teeth uh, yeah it's a struggle but and I mean, it, it, it hurts more because the Eagles were supposed to tank. And yeah. the Giants were supposed to win the NFC East. And we can't I mean, you had to be kind of happy, though, seeing OBJ finally get a ring. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's, I, I don't have any negative things to say about him. I, I don't think he would have lasted very much longer on the Giants. I, I think that, that he probably wouldn't have meshed with that team. And mm-hmm. The Giants are kind of like the Yankees, and they, they like to have guys that are kind of like, you know. Juiced up. No, they like to have guys that are like good locker room guys, like down to earth. And I feel like OBJ is kind of stuck up a little bit, but Nothing all like good, it. all good. I honestly feel like ring. he might retire now. Yeah, because I mean he tore his ACL, right? I don't know. I'm not sure if he retires. I, I see him retiring. Yeah, he he just won the Super Bowl. Granted, he didn't play too much in the Super Bowl, but he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he can retire on a high note. He's been through a lot of stuff, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, before we get on too many more tangents, this week's episode we're talking about conspiracy theories. Those people in the tinfoil hats, those type of ones, you know. I I I always thought conspiracy theories are interesting. Oh yeah. But more Me too. more so the people that follow the conspiracies because they're just usually nutcases in general right you can so, go down uh, rabbit holes and, and and reddit and really and really get deep into it you know it's there's there's a market for everything out there it's like rule 34 of the internet if you thought of it somebody's done something with it let, let me tell you this quick story real quick so I, I my conspiracy theory that I chose is about JFK um, one of my things, my job, what I do is I go to different stores and just try to see what's available, see what people are buying and shit like that. I went to this one store and I got talking to the cashier that was there. And this lady was trying to tell me that JFK is still alive, living in the underground tunnels in Houston, and that he was supposed to make his final ride and, and like give an unwritten, like, part of the gospel it was so much weird shit he like told how to read colors and numbers it was it was odd and she was showing me all these um what's the conservative app telegram uh well that that's besides the point don't want to give them any free promo but one of those conservative messaging apps she was showing me all these videos of quote-unquote john fitzgerald kennedy and Trying to say that he's still alive. Hmm. So I, I just nodded. How old would he be if he was alive today? Uh, like 90? Well, he was, what, 45 in 1960? So, um, 1915 he was born. 107. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Wow! Oh my God! I I did not think of it. I didn't think he was that old. Look at that quick math too. Not I didn't even Google anything. Whew. Man, I'm still on point. 
Wow. <laughs> but yeah, crazy people love conspiracy theories. That yes. was the point of the story. I'm sure you'll be going back to that store. <laughs> to hang so, out with that lady. Funny enough, I, uh, I I drove past there this past weekend. Store was bone dry. Cleared out. Oh, Signs mean, are off the... Oh, people they, bought they stuff. There was, no, there, was no, there was... It wasn't like a oh, ghost no. town. It was like this it was, product. It was literally just a skeleton building. Hmm. Interesting. Do they have like a like a smoke pad in there? Like a place where you can like try oh, stuff? Oh, no. Or? It was like a health food store. Oh. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was... It was odd. Maybe Joe Rogan to told how... a bunch of them to go pick up some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hey. But yeah, it, it, it seems like, especially nowadays, conspiracy theories are getting kooky. Like the one about birds not being real. Oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, Government do any drones. other animals fly? Do any other animals fly? <laughs> no, birds do. Where do you only see birds when they're not flying? On power lines. Why? Because they're charging up. Oh my god, I love that. That's awesome. See, I just love that I, I read an article that came out in December that was the guy who started the movement. He said, for like the first four years of this, I played such a stupid character in trying to just promote this or just unworthy cause. And he finally came out and was like, yeah, it was all just trolling people. My goal for this was to fight lunacy with lunacy. It's it's amazing, like what you can what you can make people believe, it's, especially these TikTokers. Yeah, have you seen uh, the movie uh, Don't Look Up? Just came out. No. On Netflix. Well, it's it it's it's about yeah, it's amazing. It's it's about the it's about the you know kind of the conspiracy theory like community. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's centered around you know. The, the fact that climate change is either real or not real from some people's eyes and like what people will go through to either discredit the, the scientists talking about it or to go in the other direction, right? So um, it's, it, and the guy who wrote it uh, also, you know, Adam McKay, the guy who also wrote and directed um, Step Brothers, mm, he yep. actually wrote this before COVID happened. So when they started shooting it during COVID, he was like, wow. I just predicted this whole thing because it's like the movie's all about like Damn. a crazed reaction to the world ending. And so it's really, really good. Like, who do you believe and mm-hmm. how does information get misconstrued? And yeah, it's it's more prevalent nowadays than ever. I mean, you can go you can deep dive yeah. Reddit and find anything you want to read. And and if you want uh, confirmation bias, you can believe whatever you want to believe. So it's really it's a crazy, crazy world out there. Conspiracies God, are all love. Gotta love when people think that every opinion matters. Absolutely. It's like, I, I have my opinions, and they don't mean shit. Right. It's like, literally sitting in my bedroom, talking to a microphone. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. You're talking to me through the microphone. Well, talking to our potential audience out there. But in the yes. grand scheme of things. Yes, hello, audience. Anyway, get to your theory. Alright, so... Like I said, I did the JFK assassination. So, for those who don't really know entirely what went on, uh, I kind of paraphrased the official report that was released. 
So I'm going to just skim through this. On November 21st, 1963, President Kennedy, accompanied by his wife and Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson, undertook a two-day five-city fundraising trip for the election, for the the upcoming presidential election. Um, At first, he was in uh, San Antonio and Houston, and then Fort Worth, and then he was going into Austin, well, Dallas, and then he was supposed to go to Austin. Mm -hmm. So... At first, he makes a speech in front of the hotel where he's staying at, and then he was supposed to be speaking again at a, a Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce event. So, Kennedy and his party made a short little flight to the Dallas airport where he picked up and started the infamous drive. Mm-hmm. So, as they're driving, as the motorcade turns southwest on Elm Street and began traveling through uh, Dealey Plaza on the edge of downtown Dallas... The president's convertible passed a multi-story Texas Schoolbrook Depository building. Moments later, at about 12.30 Can I stop you right there? Yeah. I have a question. What the fuck do you need such a big building to store books in? Why aren't people reading the 1960s. I mean, is that like every book in Texas in this building? Like, what the fuck? It very well could be, like a master library for unwanted school books. Interesting. I was just interested, like, you know, it's it, they actually have a building name for just storing books it's not even a library it's only just like textbooks for, for school mm-hmm. anyway i continue sorry all right so the convertible passed the texas school book depository building moments later at about twelve thirty p.m shots rang out a bullet pierced the base of the neck of the president exited through his throat and then likely according to the warren report passed through governor Connolly's shoulder and wrist ultimately hitting his thigh there's a theory all about that called the magic bullet theory I'll get that into is that. a magic bullet. It just went through four pieces of flesh, probably bone too. Well, so the the crazy thing is though, when the bullet was extracted from the governor Connolly, mm-hmm. it was perfect. It, it, it had it, it, had no shrapnel at all. No shrapnel. It was perfect shaped, not mushroomed. It barely looked like it was fired. It looked like it was caught in like ballistics gel. After ricocheting through a neck, a shoulder, a back, and then in a thigh. So that, that, that's, that's crazy. one of the interesting things. But I'll get into all that when I talk about the different theories. Because there's a lot of kooky things that went on in that car during the shooting. Uh, so Governor Connolly got hit, and then another bullet struck Kennedy in the back of the head, so they say. The motorcade rushed to the nearby Parkland Memorial Hospital, reaching it quickly. However, the doctor's efforts were futile. Kennedy was officially declared dead at 1 p.m., mm-hmm. and Connolly survived. So over the next hour, as a shock country and world learned of Kennedy's death, the drama of the pursuit and capture of his alleged assailant unfolded. Bullet casings were found near a window on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository building overlooking the plaza. A rifle, later proved to have been owned by Oswald, and discovered elsewhere on the sixth floor. An accounting an accountant of the building or no, sorry. An accounting of the building's employees indicated that only two were missing. One was a man who had stepped outside to watch the motorcade and was barred by police from reentering the building, and the other was Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald, Mm -hmm. who had been working there for about a month. Oswald had been seen on the sixth floor about a half hour before the shooting and had also been encountered in the building by its superintendent and policeman just after the shooting. Law enforcement circulated a description of him. Meanwhile, Oswald made his way to the boarding house where he'd been staying. Fifteen minutes after leaving the house, that's where he was confronted by J.D. Tippett, the Dallas policeman who 
he's subsequently killed. Mm-hmm. So after this, then he's seen sneaking into the Texas theater where he's ultimately caught. So after being caught, he was held for two days without being seen by anyone. Hmm. So n- only the cops, people uh, interrogated him, but he did not leave where he was being held. So I think it was Sunday morning. Um, while, the first time he was being let out of the building, he's in the basement, and Jack Ruby comes up and just shoots him. Hmm. So that that's where things kind of started getting interesting. Um, Jack Ruby's whole thing for murdering Lee Harvey Oswald was he didn't want Jackie having to testify at R- Lee Harvey Oswald's trial. Right. It's kind of weird, just showing sympathy for her by killing another person. Subsequently, Ruby was sentenced to death, uh, but the conviction was actually reversed, but he ended up dying two months after uh, to a pulmonary embolism, which could possibly be poison. I don't know. Carbon monoxide causes that. Hmm. But that's another thing. Um, so a week right after um, the assassination took place, President Lyndon B. Johnson started the Warren Commission, which was to actually kind of gather some answers um, took about 10 months, and they released an 888-page report stating that Oswald acted alone and only fired three shots. And once this came out, that's when people started really disagreeing with it. But there, there wasn't really any evidence that they could attribute to because it's not the media nowadays. So they just kind of held it in. Hmm. So after this kind of goes untalked about. Until in um, in 1976, when the House Select Committee on Assassinations, or the HSCA, was created to take a look at these things. Because, like, a year before, they actually played the video for the first time on public TV. So when wow. people saw the video, they saw, oh shit, this doesn't match what the report says at all. And the CIA got a big talking to for withholding a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So that's when they started the HSCA to kind of look at what happened. They got a bunch of redacted files from the FBI, CIA, all the alphabet boys, and they really tried to see what happened. But they also tried to look at the MLK shooting, which another great conspiracy theorist shooting. Um, But at the end of the HSCA, they had a lot of the same findings as the Warren Commission, which was... Kind of shocking to a lot of people, but there was one pretty shocking piece of evidence. Um, there was a cop who had a like a recorded microphone on his bike the day of the shooting, mm-hmm. and they actually got to examine it. And in the recording, they clearly hear four shots. So that right there disproves all of the Warren Commission's thing about there being one shooter. Because in the building, they only found three shell casings, but four shots were fired. Right. And if you so, think about the, traje- the trajectory of the, of the bullet, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, right, where it was coming from to hit the, the first shot, right, at least to go through the hand of the, the governor. So th- this is how I perceived how the shooting went. So the first shot hit... Well, they, they really don't know the order of how the shots actually went down because two shots hit, one missed. They know that. Um, so now 
some reports say that the first shot was the miss because the bullet struck a piece of the concrete or asphalt or whatever and hit some guy in the face. And But his report says that the only reason he turned his face looking that way is because he heard the first gunshot. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of conflicting reports on when the shots actually happened. But one hit JFK went through the back of his neck out the front, and then that's when it hit the governor who was sitting in front of him. Okay. That's why you so can that see was, him in the video clutching his neck. and like, Yeah. Okay. So that was the first shot that was taken at, or that hit JFK. So now, one thing that's kind of interesting. So let me ask you a question real quick. Say you're a CIA member, and you have a high-profile client, and someone starts shooting. What do you think you would do if you're the driver? Get the hell out of there. Okay. So, what happened is, the car was being driven by two FBI agents, or CIA agents, and the first shot rings out. Instead of going fast and getting the hell out of there, both of the CIA agents in the front bend down. They lower their shoulders below the dashboard and kind of take cover and slow down to seven miles per hour. <laughs> That's but basically standing still. From, pretty from much. From his point of view, from being all the way up that, that high. Mm-hmm. And if Lee Harvey Oswald is the marksman that they say he is, which I don't believe he is, um, clearly a lot easier of a shot going seven miles per hour than going 15 miles per hour. Okay, so they started at 15 and then went back to... Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they slowed down after he got shot the first time. Right. Hmm. So, yeah. And then the second shot that hit him was the one that was, for for lack of better terms, the mind-blowing shot. <laughs> um, I think that's a, pretty yeah. good, that's a pretty good description of it. So they all say that he got shot in the back of the head. But if you watch the video, his head jerks back. Right. Now, I'm no physicist, but if there's, you know, energy hitting something, you're going to follow that energy, not go the opposite way. Right. So there's a lot of conflicting reports on how the actual shooting happened. And now, going back to the whole magic bullet theory, they say that one bullet went through his neck... Whoa, Siri just started. Sorry about that. Um, So the bullet went through his neck, then through the back of the governor, out the side of him, through his arm, in his thigh. One bullet, and was virtually perfect besides for a little bit of rifling. Wait a minute. Wait, say, say that again, but with the names of the people. So the second shot that Lee Harvey Oswald shot yep or no the first one sorry the one that went through jfk's neck yeah okay bullet passes through his neck and then goes into governor Connolly's back yep yep out his side through his arm in his thigh yeah okay i got it so and, and that's one bullet not pieces of shrapnel the bullet wasn't even mushroomed like, it hit something hard. It just... Perfect bullet. Hell of a bullet. It's it definitely something, all right. But, yeah. that there, There's a lot of... 
interesting theories that actually kind of get into what what caused the murder, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that there's kind of like four separate groups. There's the people who think that Cuba carried it out. There's people that think that the anti-Castro groups carried it out. There's people that think organized crime carried it. And then people who think it was done by the CIA slash Lyndon B. Johnson. Wow. So Lyndon th- B. Johnson, I never even heard that he would have yeah. anything to do with it. Other than he has everything to gain. Well, so that's the, the point. I'll, I'll, I'll start with that one. So, th- yeah, that everyone thought that Lyndon B. Johnson have the most of the gain. It's literally his fast track to the presidency. So that that's what he thought would be best. And if you notice that an hour and uh, yeah, hour and a half after JFK's legally declared dead, Lyndon B. Johnson's sworn in as president because he doesn't want everyone to think that, oh, we're going to let the communists take us out. Oh, no, we're still strong. Right. So that's one whole thing. Some people want to say that Lyndon B. Johnson was one of the anti-communism, anti-Castro people that thought that JFK was a little too lenient on them. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of these issues stem back to the Bay Pigs yep. with JFK not invading. A lot of people think, well, minus that Cuba carried out the attack. All those people really think that um, them not invading Cuba and taking down Fidel, that that, that kind of made them like pretty much a bottom feeder soft in everybody's eyes right yeah and easily take advantage of Mm -hmm. but well i'll I'll go through the cuba one first because that one is a little bit different than all the other ones so the cia has already been known to have made many attempts on fidel castro's life so a lot of people speculated that he was the one behind the murder because jfk was trying to get fidel killed Mm mm-hmm but Castro literally made a statement about this. He said that this would have brought just a huge retaliation against Cuba. Why would we have done this? And kind of made sense. There were also some uh, some travel logs that Lee Harvey Oswald took a trip to Mexico City two months before the actual assassin- assassination took place. His main goal was trying to either contact Russia or Cuba to get help with something, but no one responded to him. So that right there in itself kind of proved that, hey, Cuba did not really want to be a part of this. Right. So that that one is probably the least plausible in my opinion. Right. Um, then other people are talking about how the anti-Castro groups kind of carry this out. So this one's more, after uh, JFK didn't invade Cuba during the Bay of Pigs, people believe that um, everyone against Castro developed kind of a huge hatred towards JFK. Mm-hmm. And... It's been known that Lee Harvey Oswald was part of a um, a pro-Castro committee down in New Orleans where he had plenty of contact with people who were pro and anti-Castro. So a lot of extremists were at his disposal, and he was at the disposal of them. So a lot of people think that he was kind of made the scapegoat because one of his famous lines is, I didn't shoot him, I'm a patsy. So he was already initially saying that it, it's not really all him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, anti-Castro groups could have been one of them. 
I don't think so. That one seems a little far-fetched. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the organized crime one could be a pretty good indication. Mafia. So, it, I, I know you've seen The Godfather, mm-hmm. but for other people who haven't, um, before the Cuban Revolution in uh, 1953, a lot of the mobs and mafias loved Cuba. They that that was their safe haven because it was out of the U.S. jurisdiction. Right. So they would just go down there, hang out, big beautiful houses, and was literally a safe haven for them. So knowing this, the CIA contacted a Chicago outfit of the mafia to try to get his men in Cuba to kill Castro. Hmm. But no, nothing really worked. So and that actually happened. There are. It was in uh, one of the most recent releases, I think, that actually showed that the CIA contacted them, mm-hmm. uh, but never worked. So, and that was before the Cuban Revolution, before Fidel overthrew the government. But once he did, he pretty much dismantled the mafia's president in Cuba, sent them all out. If they stayed, they were killed. So they lost their hideaway. So that right there, they don't have their. Um, they're like vacation spot, their hangout spot, where they can go and be safe. So, they were pissed. Right. So, and another thing that piled on top of it, uh, his younger brother, little Bobby Kennedy, he he was famous for wanting to eradicate the mob. Yeah, he, he I mean, went after Jimmy Hoffa really hard. Y- yeah, I I honestly feel like he was just kind of pissed off at people saying, "Oh, your dad got your brother the presidency." Mm-hmm. So he went after all of his dad's associates. So the the mob would want to go after JFK because he was too lenient on Fidel. Mm-hmm. And so by oh, plus his brother him getting to... taken out, maybe maybe by Lyndon B. Johnson promising the mafia that he would go after Fidel mm-hmm. so that they could have their place back. It really depends on how 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 much they really revered the the Cuba link to their families. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, is it enough to kill a president? I don't know. Yeah. Well, another interesting thing with the whole organized crime aspect of it is uh, Jack Ruby, the guy who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, he's known for all of his gambling rackets. He owned a very famous club that was frequented by cops and people who avoid cops. So he had his mob connects. So it... It would kind of make sense. Him shutting him up before, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald could talk to anybody, really. Mm-hmm. So, organized crime looks like it would be a, a good avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the CIA, Lyndon B. Johnson. Kind of went over this one, but on the whole, like, CIA aspect, some people speculate that a lot of the CIA higher-ups were still very anti-Castro, anti-communism, and you know the CIA has a history of going on their own directive. Mm-hmm. So I I could see it happening where the CIA was just like, well, all right, he's going to be lenient with them, so let's just take him out. Right. And, I mean, with the CIA drivers that ducked after the first shot and yeah, slowed really down. Yeah, suspicious. Very suspicious. I mean, if you hear a gunshot anywhere, you just go, you want to drive away from that spot. Yeah, you book it. Especially in an open fucking roof in a convertible, mm-hmm. with, with the most the important man in the back seat, and the, the second most of the person. United yeah. States. Yeah, that's craziness. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so those are really a lot of the... What do you think that, happened? All right, so I, I was telling you this before we hopped on, but I didn't go into details, that there's a very, very deep little nugget of information called, I think it's the Umbrella Man, that's mm -hmm. a part of the situation. So in the original footage, or not in the original footage, in someone's footage that wasn't really widely watched, um, you can see a man in downtown Houston with a big giant umbrella. Now it's November, so, I mean, it's not dead of summer, but it's still probably 70, 80 degrees. And this man's just standing on the street in the direct line of fire from where Lee Harvey Oswald was holding this umbrella. So now, right as the motorcade drives past, right as it gets in line with the man in the umbrella, he lifts the umbrella up. And when his elbow is fully extended, the first shot rings off. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. that That's... I, I couldn't find a lot of information on that, but... Yeah, that that one, that that one was more interesting than anything. I don't know if it's actually real, but it'd be pretty crazy if it was. It would make sense as to why maybe the bullet stayed intact because he was closer, and then if there was four bullet, uh, gunshots and only three cases up near where Lee Harvey Oswald was, maybe the fourth was from him. Maybe. Well, a lot of people say that there was well. It's pretty much a lot of the people agree that he was completely on the other side of where Lee Harvey Oswald was, on top of a grassy knoll, as they say, a um, little hill. Mm -hmm. But there's the uh, the one thing, the HSCA, they said that there were four shots, but there's also really enhanced videos of where you can kind of see muzzle flash or like the gunpowder clouds. Mm-hmm. And people have counted six shots. Oh, wow. So, th there's a lot of varying information on this. And, like, y you can go down so many different rabbit holes and get just little tidbits of info. What was happening, kinda... um, like, what was he in Dallas for? Who, JFK? Yeah. Um, he was campaigning for the 1964 election. Okay. Was there, like, it a was, big decision coming up for him? Well, just for funding. Because, I mean, you know, Texas is always a very right-leaning state. and No, I mean, like, um, like, in his role as president, like, in the coming weeks, was there, like, a big decision that he needed to make that was going to negatively, really negatively impact a group? You know what I mean? Because then, then I would think about, like, if that many gunshots maybe were involved from different locations on the, uh, in that area... Maybe mm -hmm. a lot more than one group or a lot more than one person wanted to get to him first. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Or not, not necessarily being like, oh, I'm the one that shot him. I'm the first one. It's more of like, if you ain't going to do it, I want to do it. Because if he makes mm -hmm. this vote, if he makes this filibuster, if he makes this veto, um, if he assigns this person to this, I my likely, my livelihood's fucked or, you know, X, Y, and Z. He's got to think yeah, about like, a cause and effect in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see anything about, um, like, an important decision in the upcoming weeks. It was just kind of, 
him doing a little parade around the state of Texas trying to... And maybe that was just enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, who knows what the... what How how right-leaning the area was at the time. Maybe they were just like, get out of our state, you know? Who knows? Um, who knows? Well, we, we know that uh, the Alphabet Boys will never be completely honest with us. Right. Because they're still releasing documents with redacted information. Yep. Yep. Can't let all the information out. Can't let the people have the information. No. So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, JFK. Interesting. And kind of was interesting, too, because where I live, there's a, a little Kennedy clan that's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like to hang out by the ocean, huh? Oh, <laughs> I won't get into it. So, what what do you got? So, um, my conspiracy, and you know, it it may or may not really be a conspiracy or reveal to be a conspiracy, but it is still a mystery, and there are more than enough conspiracies to go around. You know, mostly because you can kind of attribute it. You can attribute like if you if you watch a, um. Like, uh, if you watch John Wick, you know, you can kind of... He doesn't talk very much, so you can kind of attribute what you want to him, you know? Mm-hmm. You can ref- you can reflect the emotions that you want onto something that doesn't have a lot already going for it. There's not, there's not a lot of dialogue in a, in a movie. You can you can choose to feel the way you, you feel. If there's not a lot of facts about something, you can really go a long way with it. So, mm-hmm. in, my, in my conspiracy here... Um, well, my, my story is about the Malaysia flight, the Malaysia Airlines flight 370 that went missing in 2014. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, there's a litany of, of possibilities. And I think it's also, you know, kind of, it's more relevant now because, you know, what are, what are, what are, what are governments hiding from us? Um, what are... What 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 have, what things have been gone missing in the past that we still don't know the true answer to, and it also around. happens in 2014, so it's kind of more relevant to our age group and, and day and age than stuff that's happened in the past. So, in addition to that, having 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 it happen so frequently, or having it happen so recently, you would think. The technology was there at the time and as well now to be able to figure out more answers. But alas, it has gone, you know, actually probably gotten more um, confusing as the years have gone on. So essentially in the spring, early spring of 2014, a the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 was departing from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Good pronunciation. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh headed for Beijing and there was 239 passengers on board 12 of which were the um, the flight attendants and um, or the flight crew essentially mm-hmm. most of the most of the people on the board were Chinese and then a good portion from there were Malaysian essentially what was going on and it's very weird because it was a very normal takeoff um there was it was a very normal plane all checked out fueled up for two potential um emergency 
um, emergency landings at two different airports. Like they filled up the, enough gas where if they mm-hmm. didn't make it to Beijing, they can land in Vietnam or it could land in the Philippines. I, I don't mm-hmm. know about the Philippines, but or like definitely, South Korea type. yeah, definitely in Vietnam because it's on the way. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the the sequence of events happens like this. So plane takes off. Um, and it's everything's good, no problems at all. Um, there he the the pilot is in is in contact with the flight attendant or the uh, the, the the flight navigator. What the hell do you call it? The people in the bit the building, the flight deck. Yeah, yeah, or the control yeah. tower. The control Radio tower. Control. Yeah, the control tower. You were Can just you... singing that. Uh, this that is ground control. Ground okay, control? yes, ground control. Okay. There we go. So the the pilot was in constant contact with the ground control, the one in Malaysia as well as yeah, sorry, the the airport in Malaysia is where they had contact with. Mm-hmm. And essentially, um, when you were radioing from a ground control or to the plane and to, to the plane to ground control, you have to be within that radius for the radio yeah. to connect. So essentially, between. Kuala Lumpur and Ho Chi Minh City, which would have been the next radio contact, mm-hmm. the ground control in Vietnam would be able to connect as they were flying into Vietnam airspace. So sure, yeah. there's a large bay, or essentially it's like a strait in between um, uh, Malaysia and Vietnam. Yeah. And in yeah. between mm-hmm. there, there's kind of a dead zone. And okay. Because it's too far for Malaysia to connect, and it's too far for Vietnam to connect, so mm-hmm. it's 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 almost a perfect storm in a way where you could completely drop off the face of the earth. The Bermuda Triangle. In a, in a way, so. yeah. Now, what's really interesting is as the plane's going up, um, you know, the last at approximately one thirty a.m., the co-pilot says good night to the Malaysian air traffic controllers. And as soon as that happens, right after that, what they call the ACAR system is turned off. What's the ACAR system? It's like a, it's like a transponder, like a, like a, it's a tracker, but it also connects the radio. So it's like a, it's kind of like a, it's a transponder. Okay. Okay. So it's really weird. Because this would not, this never happens. You would never autom- You would never manually turn this off mm-hmm. unless you were trying to sneak through enemy lines, right? Um, so the pilot manually switches off the transponder. And at this point, it's believed that it's, it's believed that whatever happens in the air in this time is completely unknown. So any, mm-hmm. all the passengers had no contact with anybody on the ground. The pilots turned off their transponder as well as the tracker. And the only way for them to be essentially tracked at that point would be... Um, like by a radar or something. Yeah, but there's there's a way for a flight in the air to relay emergency information because when the, they were out of range from, from Malaysia, they were out of range from Vietnam... But when they were mm-hmm. trying to find the plane, Vietnam asked another plane in the air close by if they could if they could radio in. Uh, uh, so okay. it's it's about distance, but it's also about the fact that they turned off a transponder and turned off a tracker manually, mm-hmm. 
which is very, very uncommon. So the pilots are in the air flying normally. Um, the plane apparently, uh, after five minutes after the last radio contact, the plane apparently climbs to 45,000 feet, which okay. is above the service ceiling of normal aircraft. Usually you're, mm-hmm. you're on cruise control at 30,000. Yeah. So when it gets to 45, as you can imagine, the air gets quite thin. Mm-hmm. And it's usually you need the, you know, the oxygen masks at that point, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, so this would never be done. And it's a chance that in this, in this space, in this 45,000, in this 45,000 um, foot altitude, the plane could stall because in between the last time that they had talked and uh, 45,000 feet, they would have had to jump like significantly and how, and how, mm-hmm. how fast they were going. So one conspiracy about this specific situation is that the pilot intentionally climbed to 45,000 feet to kill the passengers on board because, okay. um, he, well, hypoxia. He, yeah, you would basically. It, actually, it would be a pretty, it would be a pretty relaxing death. You would just kind of Lap pass off. out without enough oxygen and then die uh, peacefully. Yeah, but a lot of people think anything. that that's actually where the the pilot killed the passengers on board, which is kind of reassuring if the plane did crash because people would die without pain. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, after that. After they're at 45,000 feet, it's said that the plane turned sharply west. So think about right now, they're in between Malaysia and Vietnam. If they turn west, they're heading towards like the Indian Ocean. Um, and once you get to kind of the center of the Indian Ocean, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to track because there's just nothing there. You don't yeah. think about the Indian Ocean being so big, but you can fit like United States plus a couple other like in between little cracks and nooks and crannies there it's oh yeah it's huge the Pangea so, puzzle yeah absolutely so obviously the the plane never reached vietnam uh, radio contact couldn't be made um and ground control tried many times to uh, to reach them but they had already veered so far off course and they turned their transponder off manually um and then they, tr- they were able to track the last... So the plane's been flying for about seven or eight hours by now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously nobody knows of a crash or anything. They, they think they're still in the air. They lose they lose the track after they... At what they call like the perimeter of a half circle, either west of Australia or west of China. So okay. west of China would be they would fly northwest from where they're at or... Um, south of australia would be south almost directly south Mm -hmm. um it's most likely that they went south because if they went north you would have flown over countries that would have had like a a lot more advanced radar system they'd be able to to find them that easier oh yeah so at this stage that's when they that's when they lost all complete everything they don't know anything past this point after they after what they thought the plane had enough gas for just about just about a lot, just about this long. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything. They just know that 
it turned west really hard after going to 45,000 feet and then from there it's it's really up up to who knows really well so do you think they could have coasted at all um like going that high and just kind of riding it down and bending it out maybe could shot them a little bit save some gas yeah it's it's very possible um i'm not an aviator yeah so it's it's interesting though because one of the biggest conspiracies in it currently you know and it's still they still don't know um where they don't know they've never seen the wreckage of the plane they found pieces washed up in like madagascar um throughout like the southwestern area of the Indian Ocean along the coast of Australia they found pieces but they can't they can't say for sure where the actual plane is um, and you know what happened to the people what led up to this one conspiracy is that the pilot actually is an executor of a larger terrorist plot that's what I was thinking so he, um, I think his name, his name is Zahari, Z-A-H-A-R-I-E. Um, it's possible that he's been a plot in a plot for some type of 9-11-esque future plot where mm-hmm. they have a rogue plane available to them. That's completely, that is believed to be off the, off the, the radar. Yeah. Like, if the transponder's off, and, you know, you take that black box out, and you take, basically, you take everything that you would need for it to be tracked, mm-hmm. and you load that thing fucking full of nukes, you could fly that into any country and blow the, blow the thing to hell. Yep. So, that's one theory, that he was actually working for some type of Al-Qaeda group planning a future 9-11 attack with a rogue plane. Another theory is that the plane just flew into a black hole and that the, you know, the pilot was either overtaken by some type of higher power or higher essence to fly the direct path that he was going because Mm -hmm. it seemed as though the pilot knew exactly where to fly to and then how high to fly and then which direction to go that he would stay off everybody's radar. Are we getting into the quantum realm here? Possibly. Some people think that maybe that he was influenced by some type of higher power to fly this exact way. So actually, before you go to the next one, I saw this one going off the black hole that the Earth is already in a black hole. Um, a, a few years ago, there was... Uh, let me look it up real quick. It was a particle generator. The human boss something like that it was in the hadron collider and it had to do with a particle separation and some people say that when they um when they actually got it done it ripped a hole in like space time or whatever Mm -hmm. and created a black hole that the earth got sucked into hmm Higgs boson, that's what it is. Um, Yeah, the Higgs boson, sometimes the Higgs particle, is an elementary particle in the standard model of particle physics produced by the quantum 
excitation of the Higgs field, one of the fields in particle physics theory. Hmm. So, hey, if there is a black hole, these two stories could align. Could have been from the uh, the Higgs boson. Hope I'm saying that right. Interesting. Yeah, I love black hole theories. Um, because it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Donnie Darko. Because when oh uh, okay, you know, like when the plane crashes and that, and then the fucking engine c- crashes through their house, comes mm-hmm. through a black hole. Um, one way also, this is a really depressing one, but it's possible, and it, it, there's some evidence to show that it's possible. The flight, um, Zahari, the pilot, he actually got divorced. And his ah. kids were taken away from him the day the, the kids moved out of their house the day oh, before fuck. the flight went missing. And he was they said that he was also like some some type of political like fiend. Like he loved politics and he was a big okay. fan of this guy named um, Anwar Ibrahim. And he was okay. just convicted of sodomy and sentenced to five years in prison one day before the flight went missing. Damn. So this guy is facing an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, now this is even kind of the bigger piece. He had a flight simulator in his house. And it's the, the, the simulator can be actually programmed to custom scenarios. Ah, so it's ones. very, very possible that he simulated this exact event to stay off the radars. And he was just, huh. this was his last ditch effort to just get the hell out of there and have a, an impact on the world whether it be very negative killing hundreds of people mm-hmm. but he was I think he was severely depressed I could so, see that yeah yeah because nowadays a lot of the cockpit doors close too so or like lock right yeah it can't be open from the outside right exactly so that so no, who knows he could have killed the co-pilot right right and you know that the 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 um the cabin actually has an hour additional of, of oxygen. Oh yeah, than the true. passengers. So he could have just he could have knocked out all the passengers, and then had his hour to continue on, or well, one, jump out. You know what I mean? Who knows? I was gonna say one thing. I was thinking was um, he could have like dropped his own oxygen mask, went up to that height, killed everyone, mm-hmm. and then like flew the plane somewhere. Yeah. There's another theory that he landed the plane in like somewhere in Australia and they got everybody off, rebranded the plane, took all the transponders out, replaced them, repainted it. And then what they did with those people, <laughs> I really don't know. Could be like a squid game type of situation. I don't, know. don't get me started about squid games. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really crazy. I mean, 240 people died and it's still mm-hmm. unknown. Um, they're like I said, they're finding pieces here and there, but they don't know where the entire plane is, and they still can't piece it together. So, I mean, think about all the families that just mm-hmm. like you know, up the the plane just up and completely vanishes. And that's at least in like major tragedies or like someone getting a gunshot wound and dying. Yeah. You at least can see their body, and you can you know what happened. You can come to terms with that closure. Closure. But this is a different story. 
Well, another one of the uh, the Wilder series I heard about this one was, if you didn't know, two months later after this, another Malaysian Airlines flight got shot down. Right. Um, some people say that the flight that got shot down was a staged flight. This flight that went missing, they landed the plane somewhere, like you said, rebranded it with different flight numbers and everything, replaced everything. And then that plane was used as almost a cover-up or mm-hmm. a way to, like, plot it against someone. Yeah. That's very but possible. And 283 people, th- people died on that one. Yeah. Actually, 298. Almost there was a bunch. Holy well, on that shit. one, there were, yeah, that was two months there later. were a bunch yeah. of... Uh, of um, infectious disease doctors, and some people think that Big Pharma had a hand in this one, in the plane getting shot down, because these doctors had the cure for HIV. So Big Pharma didn't want that getting out, so they shot down a whole plane for it. Which is absolutely bonkers. But hey, who knows? Martin Screlly could do something like that. Yeah, to keep his to keep the price high. Very possible. Those EpiPens, man. An EpiPen for the HIV. Man, it's really sad. You can actually look at the pictures online of people dead in fucking fields on that. Mm-hmm. Imagine being the guy that has to clean all that up. My God. Imagine being a family member going and having to identify your dead family member by literally their wedding ring on a severed finger because the rest of their body is missing. Yeah, you're right. That's unbelievable. I, I don't know. I don't like it. it, it yeah, I don't like the plane stuff because you know nine eleven. It's just it just hits like too close to home. But it's like mm-hmm. it's the shit that hits the hardest. Like you're going so fucking fast, and it's you know life can be over in a second, like a split second. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! See, the the thing with me and nine eleven, my dad was a fireman, so. The 343 men and women that lost their lives. Going into the building that everyone was running out of. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember most about 9-11. Yeah. Even though I was three. Yeah. But, yeah. Pl- planes are... I mean, I enjoy flying, but... I would not enjoy crashing. Indeed. It's funny, it was shot down over Ukraine. Now And now it's, well, you know... And now we're Ukraine's in this whole going to shit. Yeah. And your boy is Ukrainian, so that's fun. Technically, so am I. I oh, did yeah. my ancestry. What's the... It, it, um, so, it was technically in the Russian Empire, because my great-grandfather left there in, I think it was 1914, just right before the Russian Revolution. 1914. <laughs> But it was, I, I think it's pronounced Wopoyuka, mm-hmm. something like that. The only thing I found with that name was from a newspaper report that like talked about the World War I fighting. And that was the only thing I could see that mentioned that name. And then I found it on like a couple old maps. But it's like, I, I'd technically be a white Russian. Wow. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, they don't figure that out and come arrest me because they think I'm like some sympathizer or something. 
I'm yeah. I, I'm not KGB, I swear. <laughs> Felt like I should preface that. But yeah, we're, we're, the world's a crazy place right now. Indeed it is. Indeed but it's kind of crazy to think, is. though, how much, like, this crazy shit is just perpetrated by the media. Yeah. Like, this stuff has happened for years upon years, generations upon generations. It was just never this widely publicized. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, like, it's it was always happening kind of under the rug, and th- at mm-hmm. that time, it was more, you could have a conspiracy and have it not be disproven so easily. Now mm-hmm. it's just like everybody can have their their conspiracy, but you don't know where to look to disprove it. Yep. So it's it's yeah it's so prevalent it's so prevalent it really is. There, there's this one conspiracy theory that I saw. Um, it has to deal with about like 297 years of missing time. Really. It was like it had to do with something about Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. And how Charlemagne never existed. It was just a figure made into history to align with the Holy Roman Empire's views and standpoints to try to like get the people to rally behind them and not the other rulers or something like that. Interesting. And it it had to do with the Julian calendar and then the Gregorian calendar. Okay. Because there was like a 10 or 13 day difference between the two. So if you go back to when the calendar started, it's like a 297-year difference. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Huh. What happened like, in those years? <laughs> no one knows because that's one of those things. Everything was either written on a piece of paper or told by word of mouth. Maybe that was when COVID-1 happened and we never learned our lesson. Oh, yeah. SARS-CoV-1. <laughs> oh, we're going to get flagged from this information. <laughs> well... Goodbye, everybody. Looks like we're going to start a new podcast. <laughs> no, but now next week we are trying to do The Fellowship of the Ring. Lord gonna, of the Rings 1. We're going to break that bad boy down because Jimmy's never seen the movies, just finished the books. Mm-hmm. You finished Again, all the books? Audible, if you want to sponsor us. I, I would greatly appreciate it. I love your service. Yeah, I've done all the books. Okay. okay. Hobbit and, included. Wow, that's impressive. And... uh yeah, you're going to like it. I think you're really going to like it. And you can teach me a few things about the, the lore because I don't know as much of the background. So, I'm, I'm still going to need to brush up on the lore. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I thought the books were kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Well, they're I, long, I just right? come. Well, I just come off uh, all the Game of Thrones books, Song okay. of Ice and Fire. So I was kind of in that mindset with all the, the fighting and the gore and... The brothers, fucking sisters, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting a bunch of orcs and elves and hobbits and yeah. This is like yeah. the uh, the OG nerd stuff, you know. It's great. Yeah, it, it, definitely culture shock. Indeed. But the books right now that I'm on are the Kingkiller Chronicles. The Name of the Wind is the first book. Pretty good. Good. What's who yeah, wrote man. that? Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Okay. There's, it's a trilogy. There's two books out right now, and then the final book should be out very shortly. Splendid. Mm, And it's like, the the author is very active amongst, like, online message boards with his fans and shit. Mm -hmm. 
he's like, hey, if anyone wants to help me write this book, let me know. I'll definitely take it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I love those integrative could, authors. Could you imagine just, like, putting in your own scene in Game of Thrones or something? I know. I, I'll tell you, I, I actually did rewrite the ending. Did you really? Uh, to an extent. Let me see if I can find the copy. I wrote it a couple years ago. Was it while we were still at school? No, it was during... I think it was during COVID. Like, ah, the OG probably lockdown. beginning then? Yeah. Yeah. Back when no one knew what was going on. Back in the, the toilet paper hoarding days. Yeah. Back in the design. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find... Uh... I'll see if I can find it because I I did start to write it and I just I think I lost interest. But well, that could be something we read next week. Yes, yes. Got 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 to keep the fans on their toes. Got to yes. keep them wanting more. Yes, indeed. Yes, we shall. Well, come back next week and we're gonna be doing some some lore and some fantasy, mm-hmm. hanging out in Rivendale, getting nerdy in Middle Earth. Yeah. Hang oh, out so with... should we do the three hour or the four hour movie? What's the four-hour movie? The extended version. Oh, my God. <laughs> you want to get four hours of dwarves? Let's do... No, let's do the th- let's do the three one because that's the one that... All right, so it's three hours. Two hours. Yeah, three hours. Do the, do the three-hour one. Fellowship of the Ring. All right. Okay. Um, because this one got a ton of Oscar. No- Actually, no, it got... It got four Oscar noms. No. It got... We'll, we'll go to this next week. I think it has like 12 Oscar noms. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll do that. Yeah, man. And lady. And we one lady. diverse audience. <laughs> and them. Yes. We don't thank, discriminate. Thank you, they, for joining this week. We'll see you yes. next time. Peace. Deuces.